It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much. I'm uh, joining us via satellite phone as I am getting in some uh, (laughs) last-minute scouting trips, very last-minute scouting trips, uh, and, and not just driving from building to building for work. It's amazing. We've made it to draft weekend. It seems like it it will never come, but every year it's just it feels like it flies. Uh, and we're here, and yeah. I want to talk about some things that you and I heard over the weekend. Um, you know, this is the weekend where we always get some extra little bit of information. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, we both kind of heard that they were out on T.J. Watt in the first round, and that Taco Charlton was a, a target. Uh, we heard that this was the week where they were kind of narrowing it down between Ezekiel Elliott and, and Jalen uh, Ramsey, and they decided they preferred Elliott. So it, it does seem like we get some newsworthy tidbits of this 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 weekend. And I got a good one um, from somebody I trust about what the Cowboys' plans might be at uh, pick ninety. Um, we both heard that the Cowboys could be interested in adding a starting caliber backup running back. As soon as pick 90, uh, Lana, let's kind of just start right there. Why are the Cowboys seemingly so desperate to bring in a backup running back at that cost? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird because it, like we've, like you and I have talked about it, it seems to betray kind of their previous comments of, of wanting to get Ezekiel re- resigned and, and, and thinking that that was a, a priority there. Um, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about, spending a day two pick on a running back, you know, especially a running back position at the running back position. Um, yeah, that's pretty, that's a, that's an investment. I mean, that's, that's for a lot of teams, that's their starting running back that you're taking at at 90. So, um, 
to me, it, it makes me wonder if a lot of this talk about re-signing Zeke and, and you know, oh, well, we're going to re-sign him, but, you know, he's still got another fifth-year option on him, blah, 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 blah. I, I start to wonder if maybe, you know, that isn't just talk in order to get him into the building for, you know, voluntary workouts, trying to get him to avoid. But doesn't that seem out. expensive just to, to, to try to play, you know, to have some leverage over Elliot? I mean, I think that it, it, yes, I think it could be potentially expensive. I also think that, um, you know, if the idea is not just leverage, if the idea is actually, you know, potentially not, re-signing him and playing i mean it depends on how like if they play serious very serious real hardball with him um and you know with with the idea that they you know don't think that they may walk away with him at the end of the process um then you're gonna want that that third round running back in the backfield you know for leverage and for comfort when you know it, it turns out that you're walking away from one of the best players in your team you're gonna want a starter level backup there to step in and, and take the role. Now, you know, I don't, I mean, we can have a debate about the pros and cons of not re-signing Zeke. And I'm sure you've got your own sure. opinions on there, but I, I think that their thought process, you know, a lot of, again, what, like with the draft and a lot of these things, you got to look a little, a year ahead. And, and I think, the concern a year ahead from now, the biggest one of the biggest concerns is what's what's going to happen with Zeke, and because um, I think that we know what, what's going to happen with Dak. I think Dak's going to get a nice little contract, probably sure. maybe even before training camp. I think Cooper probably will too, uh, but Zeke and Jones are kind of the guys that you know are, are kind of being talked about as potentially being out in the cold. And I feel like with that in mind, that you know maybe they are protecting themselves for, uh, for a year from now. Maybe they're uh, helping their negotiation uh, uh, process for a year from now. Um, you know, they, again, it has to, it, you can say what you want, but it has to be tied to Ezekiel, it's expiring contract coming up and, and what the, the Cowboys plans are moving forward and, and having a protection in house that, that isn't just like, I don't think they want to go into next next class trying to draft a rookie to you know, potentially replace a guy who may be holding out. I think they'd rather get that guy a year early, have him, in, have him in the system, and if something happens with Zeke, okay, we already have a guy, a starter, quality guy, who knows our system is ready to step in. I mean, we could take this into a million different directions because those are all really good points. I mean, we could talk, we could go all the way back to the 2016 draft where, huh. if, if, well, if you're looking at look at it like this. If I would have told you back in 2016, Ezekiel Elliott's going to to lead the league in rushing two two out of the three years that he starts, uh, he's going to be a valuable player on you know in, in the passing game in the run game. He's going to be your team MVP. You're going to win the majority of games when he plays. Isn't that the best case scenario? And yet now we're here three years removed from that draft, and we're already thinking about not re-signing him. This is what this is what irritated me with that pick back then: is what was the best possible case scenario? It played out, and yet we could be without that player in a year from now, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think again, like it, it's the best case scenario for that player involved Tony Romo on the team. You know, like, like I mean, that's, yes, that's like, true, but the, the, the that's the problem with it picking so short-sighted, though, right? 
Well, I mean, I think it was the five years short-sighted, like with the idea of potentially getting some Super Bowls in there. I, I, I mean, I think that they it was a swing. They got it. I mean, look, they got value for the player. I mean, I think that's what you're arguing, and the, the argument is that you know why wouldn't they re-sign him after what he's done so far? And and I'm here to say that I don't know that they're not re-signing him. Oh, right, right. You sure. know, like I, I mean, I think that we don't know what. First of all, we're talking about a rumor. Second of all. We don't even know the rumor's true yet. I mean, you know, like it, 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 it may we may come to, on Friday and this doesn't even happen. You know, like so. <laughs> Please let that yeah, be true. I, I mean, Please. So, <laughs> but but if it does happen, I, I mean, I think it's interesting because it, it opens up a whole new set of questions. Really, like what does this mean for Zeke and negotiations, and what is what is their what is their thought process on running back? Is is that they are going to use a guy up and, and then uh, discard him or is this uh, a situation where they're just trying to get some leverage or you know like because I think even it says something about the Zeke situation but I think unfortunately what, what we don't know is what it says you know like what exactly right. it's saying and I think it, it opens up a lot of possibilities of what it could what could be there alright so I, again I have a, a lot of different thoughts on this but let's I want to start with the, the front office and then we'll get down to the kind of on the field thing um in the Cowboys pre-draft press conference, Stephen Jones, you know, continually mentioned how they like to draft, you know, day one starters with their with their premier picks, and we've seen that be pretty much true for the last I don't know how many several years. I mean, even last year, uh, Michael Gallup started basically from week one as a third round pick. Connor Williams started at left guard. Um, is this really the best use of resources using a, a you know a third round pick uh, on a running back when you have a team that? You know, typically doesn't spend a lot in free agency, so they're having to use the draft to kind of maximize maximize value. And with having only two picks in the top 125 instead of, you know, three or four picks like we're used to, it seems like you'd want to grab guys at more impactful positions, right? How do you just kind of make sense from all this from a team-building standpoint? Well, I think from a team-building standpoint, this team values the running back. And I, and I think that there's they've made it clear that they place value in the running back. I, I don't know what we aren't a hundred percent sure is, you know, how, how they plan on keeping and acquiring that, that talent at, at running back. I mean, they may, is this a change a, a changing guard of, of, of a more, you know, bring them in, wear them out, toss them out and bring a new one in, you know, kind of methodology of, of running backs. I, don't I mean, know. I'm fine with that. If that's what they plan on, I'm fine with that, but it, yeah. it just seems so, different from what we've heard from Zeke from the or from the front office about Zeke in the last you know couple months yeah and again like I think look ultimately we're talking about the 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 part of the issue is that the value of the running back run in this draft is likely going to happen between our 90th and 128th pick right like I mean I think I I think that's fair yeah 128 is where I would like to get a running back. Um, 90 to me seems like a pick too early, but but I mean at the end of the day, like if you're trying to get a specific guy, you know we've talked about that. If you're trying to go get your guy, like overreaching by a round or something, like that's not that's not the worst. What the issue is is that it's a running back, and that it's that it's the value in general is not yeah, that high. Yeah, but I'll I'll kind of interject there. I, again, I am not a pro running back person. I've made that pretty clear on this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. But 
I think there's certain running backs that I would be open to picking at 90 for certain teams. I just don't think the Cowboys are one of these teams that knows how to use two running backs together at the same time. And they've well, kind of no. proven that over the year yeah. as well. And I think it's pretty clear that, I mean, I don't think that anyone is suggesting, like, I don't know at any at any point in this conversation anyone's thinking, oh, they'll get, like, a change of pace back now. I think that right. that's been right. pretty much squashed. So Absolutely. It, it's more about getting a guy to spell and or eventually replace Ezekiel Elliott. The question is, is it spell or is it replace? But see, okay, and if it's spell... That certainly seems too high for a, a running back. Now, if it's to replace, I understand that a little bit more. Um, but again, that's something we don't know right now. My honestly, my biggest problem here isn't so much taking a running back at ninety because there are guys I, I I would consider drafting there. My problem is some of the names that we've kind of heard in connection yeah, with the Cowboys. I agree. That's that's my biggest problem. Let's go ahead and start there. This the the overwhelming name that we've kind of heard in the last several days is Texas A&M's Travion Williams. Now, if you remember, guys, we went and did a podcast, you know, really just highlighting Travion Williams back in it was about late February, talking about he was this one player. of the first guys we looked yeah. at. Franklin. Yeah, if you go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, we weren't big fans of his game, but let's kind of go ahead and recap it. What did you see kind of just off your memory of when you watched Travion Williams? Well, you know, he, uh, I just, you know, my whole thing is, and even when I discuss him with other people, it's like, what, what's special about him? Like, what's, like, why are we talking about this guy? I guess that's my whole thing is that, you know, I understand some guys that are just, they can do everything well and that's their special talent. But this guy is like he's not big, he's not fast, he's not quick, he's not like got a elite vision, he's not like some incredible pass catcher. No, no, nope, you're like, right. He doesn't really do anything well, and and, and 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 like it's not even one of those things where it's like uh, he does everything just right. Like he does a, a couple things just not good, not well. <laughs> like right, he's just it's just that he's not, I guess, poor at, at anything. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I don't get the 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 Travion Williams talk. I, I, really I liked don't. I I liked uh, Matt Waldman, uh, a friend of both of ours. Uh, he he gave him a comp of like a lesser version of Marlon Mack, and I can see that. It's a guy that if he's forced into action, you can keep him on the field all three downs. Uh, is he going to give you a ton of explosive plays? No. Is he going to kill you in pass protection? Absolutely not. But he seems like it's always going to be a guy that you're wanting to replace or you're wanting to upgrade or you want to grab more juice. And picking that player at 90 just seems so rich to me. I, I Again, even if we're talking about this player in the fourth round, I feel like that's high. But that's just me. I don't know. What do you – just kind of overall thoughts on his value. Yeah, I mean, I'm, he's not even a guy that I'm picking at 4-128 when he shows yep, up. I agree. Like, I, I, I like other backs more. So I, I don't know. And again – who knows? Like I, I'm not 100 percent sure if I'm buying all this smoke. Is this is this this doesn't pass the smell test terribly well to me? Well, and it doesn't for me either because I think, well, in some ways it does because I can completely see Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones and Garrett wanting to have a a solid running back behind Elliott. But when you think of like. Will McClay in some of the analytic community that they have in that front office. This is a guy that tested in the 15th percentile. He's undersized. Typically, the Cowboys like bigger running backs, right? You think of 
uh, what they had the last couple of years with Elliott being yeah. what two twenty five, two thirty. Yeah. Rod Smith was two thirty five, two forty. They drafted Bo Scarborough, who was in the two thirties. You're talking about a a running back who is five foot eight, two hundred and five pounds. Does that really seem like the kind of guy they want? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, another guy that we need to talk about is Damian Harris from Alabama. Now we've talked about him a lot on this show. Uh, I like him better than Travion Williams because I think he just does everything a little bit better. But kind of in the same vein, I don't feel like Harris has one dominant or one outstanding trait. Did you see anything that should get us excited about Damian Harris if the Cowboys draft him? No, I mean, uh, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I like his overall skill set, and I think that he's a very well-rounded back. And you know, he's had a lot of experience in, in a very difficult conference. Um, you know, and he can do everything well. And I think he can come in and be a very balanced starter for you as well. Um, but I mean, he's not exceptional. I think he's drafted where he's being drafted because I think he has zero, you know, he, he's very much kind of Ezekiel at 80%, right? He's like, he just, he, he, he does everything well. He does, but he doesn't, and like Zeke Elliott, he doesn't do anything elite. Zeke does several sure. things elite, you know? Uh, so I, I like I, I like that kind of skill set because I think he can come in and kind of run the offense really well. But I don't know that he's a threat for more than what you know a little bit more than what is going to be blocked for him. Uh, my comp I gave for him was Carlos Hyde. Does that kind of make sense to you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I mean, Hyde I think had maybe a little bit, a couple more elite kind of athletic traits, but they, they, he never really. You know, espoused himself of those. So, right. like, I think, yeah, I, I like that kind of call. All right, and the last kind of running back that we've been told to not rule out is David Montgomery from Iowa State. Lane, I know you haven't seen much of him, um, but I'll just kind of give you some of my quick notes. I I rewatched him on Sunday, kind of knowing that the Cowboys had interest. Uh, super competitive, and that's the first thing you see with him. Is he makes every run look like it's his re- last run on this earth. I mean, he he's just gonna fight defenders the whole time. Uh, plays just with a sense of urgency, uh, was a two-time team captain, does kind of everything well, but just kind of lacks the overall athleticism to be an elite runner. But I think he's just a super tough kind of runner like that that has a strong lower body, a little bit reminiscent of like a Marion Barber type of player, Uh, just kind of runs like his hair is on fire. Um, So, I mean, I know you haven't seen him much, but uh, just from kind of the things you've heard, any thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I've I've you know heard the talk around the water cooler on the player, and I've seen him play. I just haven't watched his game, you know, regularly. And, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he would probably be a pretty good fit for what the Cowboys are doing, especially in what we're talking about that kind of easing into a, a backup starter role. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't have any issues necessarily with him. I, but again, I don't know the player that well. Right. Uh, for me, I like Montgomery significantly better than Harris and. Uh, Williams, just because of the lower body power. I mean, he is just so difficult to bring down. Iowa State's offensive line was absolutely atrocious, and yet he was still productive. So I feel like while he he's not somebody who you're going to play in tandem with Elliott, I, I think he can give you a, a lot of uh, quality snaps. Um, really quickly, the last kind of rumor we heard uh, is that the Cowboys still have a lot of interest in grabbing a safety uh, the kind of the names that are being narrowed down for Dallas are Juan Thornhill from Virginia and Taylor Rapp from Washington. I think we both kind of 
believe that uh, rap is their number one choice. Uh, but one thing that we heard this weekend is that the Cowboys might be looking at Thornhill as a cornerback. Is that surprising to you, Lennon? No, I mean, I think if you go back and, and listen to what, I mean, I, at least I said what we were talking about when we were talking about Thornhill and Emma Savage to a certain degree is that my, my only concern with these guys is that I didn't necessarily think that they filled our need at box safety, you know, I, because I think they can play safety, but I would view these guys more as defensive backs, you know, in general, because I think that there's right as much, if not more value than playing them, you know, in in coverage situations directly and, and clearly the Cowboys are, you know, think at least that if not more, I mean, I, I've heard that they're even considering him just as a cornerback. So um, it's, it, yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me because of the skill set, because of the, the, uh, the similarities physically to Brian Byron Jones and, 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 you know, where they ended up putting him with Chris Richard. So uh, no, I mean, I think Thornhill is the kind of athlete that could definitely, I mean, he's a rare kind of athlete that safety that could, make a move to corner and, and that would be extremely comfortable. And it's kind of the similar vein, you know, if the Cowboys yeah. take Juan Thornhill and play him at cornerback, it would be, you know, kind of signaling that their team probably doesn't plan on keeping Byron Jones long-term. Um, and I'm actually, I'd be fine with that. I think Byron's a fantastic cornerback, but one of the most valuable things in the league is finding productive young quarter cornerbacks at a cheap price. Uh, we know this is a passing league. We know how expensive corners are getting. You're looking at like nickel corners are starting to get paid nine, 10, 11 million dollars a year outside cornerbacks in that 17, 18 million dollars a year. If you can let Byron Jones go get a third round, fourth round comp pick and slide Juan Thornhill right in there. Uh, I, I think that would be a, a fine move. Plus it gives you some versatility this year. Maybe you could use Thornhill as a safety um, I would I would like it. So just kind of in general, as we're wrapping up, you'd be good with Juan Thornhill at 58, right? Yeah, and I mean, I, we can even open up the conversation of, does that mean you think about moving Jadobi back to safety? You know, I mean, for, that's so, for I, one I, year? I mean, that's that's my thing. Would you rather have Juan maybe. Thornhill at safety for this year, or would you rather have Chidobi there? I, I think you look at the collection of talent that you've got and see where people fit a little bit. Because yeah, I just think that you've got a couple guys who can play, play both. Maybe you can look at, back at that. I, I think Chidobi, you know, in the same way, doesn't necessarily line up with what they're looking for generally as a cornerback in the Richard system. I think he thrived there, and I think he's going to get better. And I think he's going to play there. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they if they found something they liked in another cornerback, and in an effort to keep Chidobi on the field regularly, they try to move him to safety. Here's the one reason why I'm not necessarily buying Juan Thornhill as a cornerback in the Cowboys scheme is he actually has below average arm length, only 31-inch arms. That seems like it would be kind of a, a strike against him in Chris Richard's scheme, right? Well, I mean, you know, the guy they're trying to replace is Anthony Brown. So, you know, I, don't, I think that I don't know that that's, that's – I mean, he's – I would say that he's probably similarly athletic to Anthony Brown, right? I mean, like as an athletic – I mean, not athletically. He's a lot more athletic than Anthony Brown, maybe, but uh, I think that they're probably similar size, right? I mean, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think that's for a guy that they probably will. I mean, especially if he's being being a safety, I wouldn't be surprised if he started out as a nickel guy and then made his way outside. That wouldn't be that surprising to me either. Yeah. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. And of course, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time.
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.